Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Mary Danielson is here, of course, with me. Hi, Mary. Morning. All right, so the title for today's podcast, Last Day's Bible Prophecy Being Fulfilled Now, and I mean as we speak. So we'll get into that in a minute. Before that, let's look at some headlines that um, the Turkish earthquake, um, the rescue is going on. A lot of people are going over there to help. It looks like the death toll has surpassed 19,000. This is the latest here, I believe, and that passes 2011 the Japan tsunami. So, and we can expect it probably to go over 20,000. But God bless the people that are going over there to help. Have mercy on those who are injured and just pray for that area. And, you know, uh, God's allowing this for his purposes. Obviously, it's hard to understand, but we'll um, maybe talk about that a little later on. Also, Canada, the Senate passes liberals' Stalin esque internet censorship bill. Basically, it forces compliance with government messaging. No surprise to our Canadian neighbors up north. Um, Left Behind, the movie with Kevin Sorbo, Rise of the Antichrist, has exceeded expectations in the box office already, $3 million in sales, and it's I think they're extending it. So that is interesting. Also, on the other hand, The Chosen, season three, um, lands in the top ten in weekend box office. That's also very interesting to us, and we can talk about that another time. Um, also, DeMar Hamlin's near-death ordeal has apparently caused more Americans to overwhelmingly back public calls for prayer. Very interesting development, mm-hmm. but I know people pray to different gods, right? But the prayer to God for his healing during that time. Uh, so some interesting headlines out there. We don't have time to get to them all, but I'm going to hand it over to Mary to introduce our very special guest today. This morning we have with us Don Stewart, and Don was at some of our prophecy conferences in Appleton previously, but he's an internationally recognized apologist and speaker. He graduated cum laude from Talbot Theological Seminary and the International Seminar in Theology and Law in Strasbourg, France, as well as from Biola University. Don is also a best-selling and (laughs) award-winning author, co-author of over 70 books, His writings have been translated into over 30 languages and has sold over a million copies. Don has traveled around the world proclaiming and staunchly defending the Christian faith. I remember Don from uh, To Every Man and Answer, Pastor's Perspective, World News Briefing, on his channel with Barry Stagner, Mike Mack, Chuck Smith. Uh, Don, you're uh, also, I don't want to forget, you have a live news program on Mondays and Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can tell us how we can find that. But your website on educatingourworld.com uh, is truly a reflection of your love for learning and passing along what you learn. It's a tremendous resource of books and videos and articles. Um, tell the listener, if you would, what they will find when they go to educatingourworld.com. We'll do. Well, thank you so much, first and foremost, of having me on. I have fantastic memories of Appleton, Wisconsin, Green Bay, and all you folks. So, again, uh, all the best to you out there in that area. 
Educating Our World is a website we put together a number of years ago, and everything on it is free. We have 63 mm. book 64s come downloads of books and PDF. I've got five audio books, a bunch of videos, and it's it's our ministry. We you know we uh, they're all printable. Like I said, the PDFs are on a, eleven different subjects: uh, God, Jesus Christ, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, the afterlife, the Bible, and science. Plus, we do. Uh, of course, have 11 books on Bible prophecy, too, so a little bit of everything. Mm. And basically what we want to do, <laughs> we want to be like Grandma's nightgown. In other words, we want to cover everything. We're trying to cover everything on the, um, <laughs> on the you like that, let's yeah. be subjects there. Um, I, had, I borrowed that line from a, 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 my fa- our favorite TV program. My wife and I started laughing our heads off when we heard that, but I think it's a great <laughs> idea. We try and cover everything. We try and get the, uh, you know, the the different subjects on you know reliability of the Bible and the such like, and so people have a place to go to where they've got mm-hmm. a free resource where you can share it with people, and uh, we're very very happy with it. Uh, very happy. I'm very you know that um, Calvary Chapel of Signal Hill, which I do the uh, broadcast on Mondays and Tuesdays live with James Cadiz. They've done this for me for free. They put it all together. Oh, wow. And I, I I'm so so thankful for that. And uh, so we're very happy. And Mary, you mentioned his channel. By the way, yep. I'm after a, a slight uh, absence here of 15 months. Yesterday, I actually did a recording of a series I was in the midst of doing. Uh, 25 signs from near the end. I got to sign nine, <laughs> and then I had a little little hiccup. And so um, I, I I recorded two programs yesterday, and so we'll be doing that also too. So I'm keeping pretty busy. Yeah, wow, I guess. So Don, before we get into what uh, I think is going to be a very exciting and informative message today about the twelve biblical predictions about the last days, let's go back for a little history again for people that are not familiar with you educating our world and your ministry. I met you in around 2000, 2001 at K-Wave in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa in Southern California. You came in, and at that time we're doing To Every Man and Answer with Pastor Chuck. And I'll never forget right. him with his big uh, jar of cashews and get, <laughs> getting prepared for every uh, broadcast. Tell us a little bit about this. Give us a Chuck story or, or a To Every Man and Answer oh. story from back in the day. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, we did. I had the privilege of doing that with Pastor Chuck for years and years. It eventually became called Pastor's Perspective, and we did that up until his death. And uh, I, I can't tell you how honored I was to do it. We we had a program that was uh, sometimes I would do three days a week, and Chuck would do two days with me. We did it for years and years. And I, I tell you, here's the thing that hit me the most. Now, I can answer Bible questions. I can answer, you know, technical things, this and that. But let me tell you something. When it came to counseling and it came to questions on wisdom, when people would call up for certain mm, things, yeah. I would listen to his answer, and I, th- I thought, I could never come up with that in a million years. How? <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was literally amazing, the gift that God had given mm. him, and it ministered mm. to me. And so it was a fun program to do. Mm. The uh, one final thing I, I should share, too, he, when, he, when he was on his last legs, when he knew he was going to die, the last uh, few months, he, he uh, didn't do it in the studio. He did it at home, and um, he was—he knew his time was short, but he wanted to continue. He wanted to finish strong, and until the very end, he kept doing and answering questions, this wow. and that. And uh, he, he was an example to me of not only 
how to live, but how to prepare for death, too, because mm-hmm. he, you never stop. And so wow. uh, it was a wonderful time. I'm so blessed that I was able to do it, and I will never, ever forget the privilege mm. of working with him. Well, what a great example, great memories, too. Yeah. I mean, as Christians, we never retire. I mean, no matter nope. how old we are, we, as believers nope. in Christ, our purpose doesn't change. We don't retire. Don, you and Chuck were a phenomenal tag team, and uh, I was just blessed by that. And I know just countless people listening yeah. Uh, we're blessed by that program and everything you've done since. So, Mary, I'll let you kick it off and talk about uh, biblical prediction number one and these 12 things that hopefully we'll get to today with Don Stewart. Yes, this is just a, a real loaded list you have here, and it really covers everything. And um, I get questions often from people saying, how do I understand a systematic survey of Bible prophecy? Well, there's a lot to know, and I know mm-hmm. that you'll agree with that. It takes time. But that's what I love about your website. If people want to dive in and they want to get that um, just a crash course in what to look for in prophecy, I would definitely send them to your site. But you have these 12 biblical predictions, and number one is the entire population of the earth will be able to watch certain prophesied events in real time. And I remember talking to my husband about COVID and how all of a sudden the whole world had one thing on its mind, and I thought, this is prophetic. So, Don, what do you, what, um, what, what things can you tell us about that particular thing, uh, how technology has gotten us to this point? Okay, first of all, let me let me share what the, these 12 signs are about, and this will put it in the uh, context. Sure. These are 12 predictions from Scripture of what the world will be like in the last days that you couldn't in a million years guess that this would happen, mm. you know, in Bible times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The first one is, like you mentioned, that in Revelation chapter 11, you have the example of the two witnesses who minister for three and a half years, they are put to death by the final Antichrist. Their bodies lay in a state, and they aren't buried in the city of Jerusalem for three and a half days. And then what it says is very interesting. It says the people there, the whole world will watch this, and they will send gifts back and forth and rejoice because these people tormented the whole world, these two you know, witnesses, for three and a half years. But then after three and a half days, they come back to life. We know the account. And they... Uh, Ascended to heaven. But here's the interesting thing. And in the past, one of the things I did in our book, 25 Signs from Near the End, we talked about what a previous commentator said about the predictions of the future. And it was interesting when they would come to a, 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 a you know, a story, a account like this in Revelation 11. I remember one writer saying, I don't know how, how this is going to happen, how the whole world's going to be able to see it. <laughs> it's like in 1860 he's writing. But he said, I can't change the grammar. I can't change what it means, what it says. I just take it by faith. Well, mm. here, here we are in 2023, and guess what? Wow. We have the technology right now where this can happen worldwide. And the, the, the point we mentioned is Elon Musk and Starlink. They've got uh, about 3,340 different low-flying satellites around the world, basically to reach even the rural areas. About a year and a half ago, uh, after I gave a, a, a message where I mentioned this, one of the per- people that worked for Starlink came up to me. He said, there's a lot of Christians working there. They're praying for Elon. But he said, yeah, uh, he said, you could go out in the Gobi Desert and you could have a satellite dish and a computer and you could get anything you want because we're, we're hooked up and we'll be hooked up worldwide. So the point is now the technology is here for the first time where someone like the final Antichrist, we go to Revelation 13 also, you know, when the false prophet, where they forced the world to take the mark of the beast. Well, everybody could watch it in real time. But this is what Scripture predicted, and people would try and say, no, nah, this is symbolic, and now nah, it's fulfilled in the first century. No, it, it's, it's a reality here, and here we have. So 
my first question to people would be, what are the odds that someone writing in the first century, John, writing the book of Revelation, uh, could know at the time of the end there'd be the technology where the whole world could see in real time these events? Because that's exactly what this passage is telling us. Everybody, all the people on the earth see it at that time. And how could that be? Three and a half days? You couldn't even do it, uh, you know, uh, even regionally at that mm-hmm. time. So that to me is huge. And so that's why we lead off with that one as, as number one of a scriptural prediction that is in the process of being fulfilled. That's also interesting that just that little finer point there, lest it be missed, that people will give themselves gifts. I mean, to me, yep. you know, when, when these two witnesses are killed, people will rejoice. I can picture our culture being like that. And it's just a side little thing because what you're talking about is the main thing. But the fact that the scripture even puts that in there mm-hmm. yeah. and scripture mm-hmm. has to be a hundred percent accurate. It has to be prophecy does. So I just think that's yeah. very interesting. Well, you know, that's, that's go ahead. Don. That's a great observation, actually, because it's, uh, they're, they're not going to be celebrating Christmas, obviously, mm-hmm. during this period of time. So this is the closest they come. And so how ironic, <laughs> huh? Yeah, it is. It really is. So we, we uh, are seeing a lot more since the advent of the Internet and since online and how you can see things on the other side of the world. And in real time now we can see things. Mm-hmm. And so kind of now hindsight is 2020. We've passed 2020 a couple of years ago. But, Don, um, I think we can jump to number two and just talk about sure. the financial transactions worldwide. And uh, what do you see happening there in the biblical prediction yeah. number two? Yeah. Now, this, this is another one that's amazing, because if you look at it in context, it says at the time of the end, no one will be able to buy or sell without a mark. The famous mark of the beast. 666 on the right hand or the forehead. Now, can you imagine even 50 years ago, try, knowing how big the world is and all the financial transaction goes on, how in the world could you monitor something like that? Mm-hmm. You couldn't. I mean, every financial transaction is going to be monitored. What's get a, some monitor sitting there in Mongolia when two people are, you know, selling animals? You have it in the middle of Africa. You have it everywhere. I mean, on the whole thing, you couldn't do this sort of thing. No, right. But, uh, yeah, but this is the assumption that everything could be monitored, every financial transaction. Now, we don't wonder about it anymore, do we? No, right. Not at all. And because we've got digital currency coming, 95% of the uh, of the countries of the world are working on some type of digital currency. Mm-hmm. Tim Cook, the present CEO of Apple, said the next generation of kids won't know what cash is because everything will be digital. And so if you have digital transactions, then it, it's what? It is stored somewhere, right? And so somebody, you know, that's all, well, yeah, it's very safe. Yeah, sure. But the <laughs> point is, it can be monitored. That's how you will monitor it. And there's a push for that. The headlines recently, you know, we've seen that. Uh, the UK wants a digital pound. You've got this here. They're pushing it everywhere. China's already working on that, certain the provinces. So it's coming. And what it will do, it'll fulfill how this could possibly be. Because again, just like someone in, you know, around the world seeing these events in real time, the two witnesses, how in the world could you digital, how in the world could transactions be monitored? You can't mm-hmm. unless it's not cash anymore. And that's, again, prediction of Scripture. It's a huge world, too. And when you think of all the different corners of the world that any buying or selling will be monitored 
Uh, and yep. I know that cryptocurrency and blockchain and all that is this incredible infrastructure of technology. But I was thinking the other day how back in the early 80s, we, we still had absolutely no idea because a woman wrote a book about barcodes. I remember when there weren't barcodes right. on I anything. That. I mean, yeah. you didn't have a barcode exactly. on your candy bar. Yeah. And so she wrote a book that said the barcode was the mark of the beast. And uh-huh. we all kind of went, well, okay, we'll see. Well, <laughs> that was a long time ago. And we are so far advanced with digital yeah. technology. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, and you made a great point, Mayor. First of all, it is digital currency, not mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. This is government control. Right. This is not yep. something that, Ooh, that people can't point. see. Yep. People think, oh, it's cryptocurrency. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, mm. They're going to know every transaction. That's it's right. digital. But it, but, and, and this is why it's not coincidental that you have all these problems with FTX and all these you know, cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. now. They're calling for, well, it's, you know, stop doing it or more regulations. Mm. The government needs to take control over it. That's exactly what's going to happen, too. And so isn't that interesting? It's all falling into place. It really is. So, friends, if you just don't, joined us, we're talking with Don Stewart. The website is educatingourworld.com. Don, these days, especially in America with our media, um, not a lot of people pay attention to Israel. And what's happening over there? But and, and the third biblical prediction here in this message about uh, just the last days and what's being fulfilled, w- Israel will be in the world's spotlight. Tell us about that. Yeah. Now this one here is actually the most amazing one of all, and the most important one of all. Israel is God's timepiece for time and eternity. The, uh, the the nation is the hour hand. The city of Jerusalem is the minute hand, and the Temple Mount is the second hand. God has chosen a group of people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to be his witness to the world. And they are, you know, his timepiece for time and eternity. And so what the Bible predicts, and and, and this is, we kind of have to put a few of the signs together. First of all, Israel will continue to exist to the time of the end. What's interesting, on my 25 signs from near the end, sign number two, we talk about the nations that tried to destroy Israel in the past, the five nations, the Amalekites. Ammonites, Moabites, Edomites, and Philistines, well, they no longer exist, as the Bible predicted, because they tried to uh, destroy the people of God, but to the very time of the end, there will be a nation Israel. So not only will there be a nation Israel, number two, they will be removed from their homeland, but will come back a second time. Now, no other nation has ever been removed once from their homeland and come back. It's happened twice for Israel, once after 70 years, once after 1900 years, both times predicted by Scripture. Now, they come back to their ancient homeland, May, 40, May 14, 1948. The modern state of Israel is reborn, but they don't have all the real estate they need. They need the city of Jerusalem unified. So a careful Bible student said, well, there's got to be another war because Jerusalem was divided right down the middle at that time. Well, cross it off. June 67, Six-Day War, the Temple Mount is uh, liberated. East Jerusalem is liberated. The Mount of Olives, the Golan Heights. And so it sets the stage for, you know, Israel now uh, being center stage in the last days. Now, because of this, the world hated Israel, hated the fact that they uh, they even exist and tried to stop their existence, you know, st- tried to wipe them out. And so what they did, they created a group of people called the Palestinians who never existed, who said, well, it's their land they're taking. No, it's nonsense. Yasser Arafat, who founded the PLO, was born in Egypt. He wasn't any uh, Palestinian. Anyway, bottom line is, because of this, there's a continual search for peace now mm. because they don't want Israel there. But Israel remains in the spotlight. Now, think about it. Little tiny Israel shouldn't even exist, much less be in the world's spotlight, mm-hmm. but almost every single 
day we read a story hmm. of something happening with the nation of Israel. It's mostly a bad story, a written bad, about yeah, to be a bad. Exactly. But what are the, again, think about this, take a step back. What are the odds that the biblical writers would have known at the time of the end the nation Israel would still exist and be center stage in the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's impossible, you know, humanly speaking. But God's word said so, and every time we read a story about Israel, it's fulfilling what God said about the time of the end. Well, and there's mm-hmm. verses about reviving a dead language, and there's also Isaiah 66, 8. Who has heard such yep. a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a nation be born in a day? Yep. I mean, that's just an incredible yeah. verse. Yeah, and so we see this, and it, it, it needs to be appreciated, too, because it was something a lot of, unfortunately, as you two are very well aware of it, our our listeners, a lot of Christians don't think Israel has any future in God's plan. They think it was everything was uh, symbolically or mm. will be fulfilled of the church. Yeah. And so um, they have a hard time explaining how all these things are falling into place. But the bottom line is this is huge because we're seeing right in front of our very eyes, like mm. you said, the nation born in a day, dead language revived, coming back to the homeland. And then, because uh, uh, you know the scripture, you're not a prophet or a son of a prophet. You know, after 1948, wait a minute, there's still more land they have to have to be, you know, take care of there. Uh, Jerusalem can't be divided because Zechariah tells us the entire city of Jerusalem is attacked at the last days by these armies, mm-hmm. meaning it's under Israeli control. So they'd had to take it. And Temple Mount, of course, you have to build a third temple there. We'll be talking about that in a bit. But the point is, it's. It's amazing the specific details that Scripture mentions are all literally being fulfilled in our day and age. So it's in the process of that. And that any of these on their own, to me, is mind-boggling. But you think about these first three, they're amazing, Mm -hmm. and yet they are true. So, Don, one thing we are seeing increase is persecution of Jews and Christians, anti-Semitism. We're seeing in America heightened uh, discrimination against Christians, some might call it persecution, um, and that will increase. And that's uh, biblical prediction number four. So what can you share about that? Yeah, now this one, now let's take a step back and think about this. Two people groups will be persecuted at the time of the end, according to Scripture. The Christians, believers in Jesus, because of their belief, then the Jews, because of their, you know, heritage, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, what do we see today? By far the most persecuted group in the world is uh, Christians, and then Jews are second. Mm. They're, they're persecuted everywhere worldwide. The anti-Semitism, um, the, the Christians and Jews by far are the most persecuted. But again, let's take a step back and think about that. How in the world did the biblical writers know there would be Christians and Jews living at the time of the end? Because by all odds, the nation of Israel should not exist. Uh, Christians, you know, came about from a, a Messiah who uh, died. Uh, it, a man named David Barron in the 19th century wrote a book called The Rays of Messiah's Glory. And he talked about Israel historically had about 40 different people who claimed to be the Messiah. And uh, most of the names are forgotten because they died. And when the, when the leader died, one of two things happened. Either the uh, someone took over for the person or the, the, the movement faded, with one exception. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, not only did the movement not uh, die, not someone didn't take it over, but it grew. That is something special, something unique about Christianity. But the persecution is there. Now, we here in the United States obviously are seeing it more and more. The people, I, we don't have to talk to the people in Iran, Afghanistan, North Korea. They already know all about that. 
but we're seeing it here and um, we see it every day. There's certain things that we broadcast, we do on our program, uh, James and I do. I just did a, a broadcast with Tom Hughes on Hope for Our Times, and we're limited what we can say for get, uh, getting on certain social media. If we mm. say, if we talk about certain subjects, even if we tell the truth about it, uh, you will be, you know, censored for yep. that yep. because it has some. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and, and this is the world we live in. So we have to be so careful how, how we say things, and that shouldn't be that way, should it? No. Nope. That's the way it is. But mm-hmm. we are being persecuted, and it's only going to get worse. Yes, definitely. definitely. And I, I just uh, I see that <laughs> there are so many world religions, right, obviously, but, but the list is Christians and Jews, Christians and Jews. And so that, that really stands out and, and helps us to understand why it is so important to tell the truth. You say even when we tell the truth, well, especially because you tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, I yeah. Now I know with with you folks, you have to be. Uh, uh, let me ask you: Do you have to be very careful how you, what you say now because of some of the stations you're on? Or are you you more free than probably than most? Well, I it's, I think it's a little bit of both, Don. We've been censored, shadow banned. Uh, Facebook, we've got about twenty six thousand, twenty seven thousand followers, and maybe five people a day might like our podcast posts. So they, they, they still, uh, the, the yeah. gods on big tech allow us to post, but they limit yeah. people seeing them. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, we haven't been uh, cut down completely yet, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Hey, we just got five minutes left in this first segment, Don, and we want to get to number five, mm-hmm. the prediction sure. of Ezekiel 38, 39, the last day's coalition that will attack Israel. That will be forming. So tell us about that. Yeah, now this one to me is one of the most interesting of all, and we may even have to take some of it on the other side of the mm-hmm. break. And Ezekiel 38 actually started with verse 36. It talks about a last the, is, the nation comes back to their ancient homeland. They form a modern state. They come back to the land. And then there's an invasion that takes place there uh, at this particular time. And what we see now is the the, the players <laughs> finding their uh, you know place, as it were. Um, you've got the invadee is Israel. You've got the invaders, which would be Russia, Iran, and Turkey. You've got nations that uh, pr- protest for whatever reason, the Saudis and the Gulf states. Then you've got nations that are really interesting, uh, conspicuous by their absence, such as Egypt, the United States of America. Now, one of the interesting things about this is that th- this is forming, you know, uh, right now, and it has formed. When we did, if you remember back and Remember back in the K-Wave days, back in 2001, even back before that, mm-hmm. that last day's Bible prophecy, when we talked about these things happening, I'm go, I go back to the 1970s, these nations that are, were in the wrong category, many of them, Turkey and Iran were great friends of Israel. Egypt was their mortal enemy. Yet the Bible says Egypt's going to sit this one out, even though it belongs uh, fighting in every war. And you've got Turkey and Iran, which will be attacking uh, hmm. Israel in the last days, along with Russia. Yeah. And it seemed inconceivable that this would happen. <laughs> and yet we used to say, well, give it enough time. And guess what? They're lined up right mm-hmm. now, just as the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And we see it all taking place. That's the amazing thing. Because, again, if we were doing this recording in 1973-74, people right. say, wait a minute, you're crazy. Iran, Iran's Israel's best friend in the middle, right. Turkey. That's where the Israelis take their vacation. What's going on here? Well, God's word always proves out to be true sooner or later. 
Well, and you mentioned that in, in, you're talking about Iran. You mentioned a, a story with Pastor Chuck that he was on the northern border with some IDF's, uh, forces and he said, uh, Syria and Lebanon, they're not your problem. Iran is your problem. What was their yep. response to that? They laughed at him. <laughs> they actually laughed. Chuck, Iran's our best friend. You've got to be kidding. No, no, no. What are you talking about? But what was fascinating, this is a true story. Later, and this is like 1974, right after the Yom Kippur War, because it was Iran that resupplied Israel during Yom Kippur that helped Israel survive. In the late 70s, when Iran became the Islamic Republic of Iran, these same Israeli generals started calling Chuck from Israel and say, Chuck, what's going to happen next? And uh, the reason being, because he predicted it correctly. And yeah. what he used to say, what I would say with him when we did the World News Briefing Program, and we on his channel and uh, Pastor's Perspective, to every man an answer, we say, look, we're not prophets or sons of prophets. Mm-hmm. It's there in the book. That's yep. what's going to happen, yep. and it has happened. History of the future. Yep. Hey, Don, yep. we've we've got a minute and a half. Uh, can you tease this next one we're going to talk about, where Israel, what, what will Israel look like in the last days before the Ezekiel 38-39 invasion? And we'll pick up the rest on the other side of the break. Oh, I would love to tease this one. <laughs> it was because, yes, because a number of years ago, as I was teaching here in Southern California, on Ezekiel 30, actually Ezekiel 33 to 40, this this area is called Appleton, Wisconsin, someplace I'd never heard of, that asked me to do a one-hour talk on Ezekiel 38, 39, last day's invasion. And I thought, wait a minute, I've got 200 pages of notes. How can I do a one-hour talk? <laughs> I know I talk fast, and t- t- 200 pages. Well, I had to put a talk together specifically for that group. And that will be our next point after the Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, friends, uh, we are so blessed to have Don Stewart with us. And, uh, boy, I hope you've kept up with his ministry. But if not, there's a, a, just a boatload of resources at educatingourworld.com. And you can also see the message here, an extensive message on the 12 biblical last days predictions being fulfilled now. So we're about halfway uh, through. Uh, we're going to talk about what Israel will look like in the last days before the invasion in Ezekiel 38, 39. And then we'll talk about Russia's dominant leadership in the Middle East, the decline of the United States, the preparations to build a third temple, and Lord willing, we'll get to a couple more, including the move to a one-world political and economic system. I mean, we've got globalism already on steroids. I can't imagine what it's going to be, but Don Stewart will fill us in on that when we come right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Don Stewart's our guest, and you can go to Educating Our World and get the notes, download them, and they are much more extensive than what we can share here. But I want to go back to Southern California. When I was out there uh, uh, living briefly in East Anaheim, I went to Calvary Chapel at, at that time, it was called Calvary Chapel Placentia, and now it's East Anaheim. But Bob Copen, he was is the pastor, was the pastor, and I, I was going through a really hard time. He was really busy. I walked into his office in the middle of the day, I think during my lunch hour, and he was doing working at his desk, and I just barged in with no appointment. And he looked at me and how I was just downtrodden. I was just beat up, and he says, come on in, sit down. And that's the kind of man he was. I, I, um, and just I'd love for you to share a little bit about Bob. Yeah, uh, Bob is a wonderful man. He's, he, he's got time for everybody. One of my favorite churches to speak at. It's the only, uh, Sunday morning I've done 
in the last 15 months and probably the last one I'll ever do because of what he's meant to me over the years. Wonderful man and wonderful congregation. And uh, it's funny that you went there. I remember when it was Calvary Placentia. Yeah. Actually, I met him on a trip to Israel. There were 17 different churches. I was leading a trip for busloads, and I met him there. And uh, and we, remember, we went to Mount Carmel, where Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'll let one of these pastors speak. We had like 17 pastors there. And I picked Bob. I don't know why. <laughs> he gave a talk. And when he was done, I said, hey, you got the wrong guy leading the tour. He should be leading it, not me. He <laughs> talk better than I did. So anyway, I, I love Bob. And thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, let's go to biblical prediction number six and finish up your thoughts, Don, and however much you want to share uh, before we move on, on what Israel will look like in the last days. Yeah, now this one to me is probably, I've, I've given this talk, I've done it on different programs, the most fascinating of all. What I did, as, as I was given the background, uh, I was asked to do this prophecy conference there in Appleton, and I, I loved the people, and that's where I got to know you guys, and loved it, loved everything going on with it. But I've only got an hour to speak, and what can I do? Because there's so many things about Ezekiel 38, 39 invasion. So what I thought I would do, I took my old yellow pad out, and I said, okay, I'm going to write down, first of all, what the Bible says the world is going to be like before this invasion takes place, then the aftermath, the second part, during and after the invasion. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I had like 11 points, 10 or 11 points, what the world's going to be like beforehand, another 10 or 11 what's going to be afterwards. Now, here's what blew my mind. Again, this is not rocket science. I just go through the scripture, and I go, you know, I write down, well, let's see, Israel's going to exist in the last days, number one. They're going to have been away from their homeland for a long time. You know, the, the, the land of Israel will be in ruin. They will come back in the last days, create great wealth, on and on and on. Anyway, there were 11 specific things that I noted that the Scripture said about what the world would be like and Israel would be like in the last days. You know, again, assuming they still exist. And I looked at the list, I go, wait a minute. Every single one of them has now been fulfilled. <laughs> Every one. How in the world, you know, could Ezekiel know what he, God told about? I knew that. And so that's one of the most amazing things, that when you think about it, the stage is set for the invasion. Before the invasion, at least 10 or 11 things must be in place. Every single one is in place. Then when the invasion takes place, there are other things that will happen, and the stage is set for those people groups to be involved. So that, to me, was one of the most amazing things possible, because these are very specific predictions. And every one of these specific predictions has been literally fulfilled. Well, let's go to the next one. I'm glad we're kind of getting through these. I know these are just the bullet points, Don, but number seven, um, Russia's dominant leadership in the Middle East. We're seeing some interesting events over there right now, aren't we? Yeah, we sure are. Now, I want you to think about this. A few years ago, before, with the last administration, when I mentioned the fact that Russia would be the dominant group in the Middle East, not the United States, that uh, certain things had to happen, Russia had to go up, the U.S. went down, I got hate mail, I got all this stuff. You know, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not predicting it. I'm telling what the Bible has to say, because mm-hmm. one of the things that was there, as, as you know, as clear as can be, when the last day's invasion of Israel takes place, Russia has to be the main power in the area. Why? Well, if you put a coalition together and your leader is a Russian leader, Gog, uh, he, that's the title, 
He's from Russia. We talk about, I've got one of the uh, free download, his book on Ezekiel 38, 39, and we, we talk in detail why we believe Rosh there is, is Russia, not because it sounds like Russia, but because it's the far north of uh, both Ezekiel, where he was in Babylon and Israel. But the point is, uh, this invasion, he leads a number of nations in this coalition. So you have to have a leader or a leader, uh, a nation, which has the authority to cause other groups to join them. Mm-hmm. And it is a Russian leader. And this is something, you know, that's been predicted, you know, since the 19th century. So this is not something new we're saying. But the point is, a couple of years ago, that wasn't the case. The United States was the big power in the, in the Middle East. We're the ones everyone is afraid of. Iran, Russia, Turkey, you know, they had to bow to us because our great military might was there and the president didn't didn't mind using it if necessary. Well, that's all changed now. What we have now is a is Russia up in the world, the United States down. We're a non-player in the Middle East. And Vladimir Putin, whether he's the Gog of Ezekiel 38 or 39, the point is he's the only uh, world leader that speaks to every country, every country in the Middle East. Is, as Putin talks to, including Israel. In fact, Netanyahu, who's back as prime minister, always says, my friend Vladimir Putin, my good friend Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and then he'd go back and forth, you know, when he was in previous prime minister to Russia and talk to his good friend Vladimir Putin. <laughs> well, his good friend Vladimir Putin will be the one or some leader there in Russia that will invade them in the last days uh, because they have, they feel they had, to, you know, there's a couple articles recently uh, because of the U.S., falling and fading away uh, globally. They, they need to cling to a superpower, either Russia or China, that is Israel, uh, for their own defense purposes. And they're seemingly they're choosing Russia, and that's going to be to their detriment. But think about this, the odds of that happening, that this country, Russia, which was basically, you know, just a few years ago, it was there, but couldn't do much because uh, mm. of its uh, position with the United States. Now look at it. We have, we have just, you know, fallen off the grid, yeah. and Russia's mm. there. Uh, this this war, horrible war that's going on in Ukraine, we hear all the time how you know Ukraine's going forward. Ukraine's going to win. It's not a chance. Russia's going to going to prevail there. The ruble's been is higher than ever uh, there. We're, and again, we're not we're not encouraging this. We're just telling you what the truth is because mm-hmm. this is what Scripture predicts. Amen. So we are not yeah. surprised at all by the outcome of what's taken place. Well, and God initiates the invasion by putting a hook in the jaw, and I think that's one verse that we've all been curious about for a very long time. Um, we can't really say that we know what it is. We gotta just play that waiting game. But I've also wondered, Don, about Russia being bogged down with Ukraine and then needing a coalition to attack Israel. I mean, if they're in any proximity at all, if this invasion is in close proximity to the Ukraine war, uh, does finances play into that need for a coalition to invade Israel if they've been bogged down in Ukraine for a long time? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Now, they're going to invade Israel because Israel has something they want and something that they need. And mm-hmm. you're right. It could be because of the assets they need, you know, they, they, they've spent everything in Ukraine, uh, Ukraine, their army there. So it's just not Russia. This is a very important point. It's Iran, Turkey, mm-hmm. northern Sudan, Libya. Libya is still waiting. That's why it can't happen yet. you got to have an army from Libya, and Libya has now got a civil mm-hmm. war still going on. Mm-hmm. So a couple things still need to be fulfilled. But the point is, that, yeah, they, 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 there's something there that little Israel has that they want and that they need. And you're right. The question is, what is it? Now, Pastor Chuck used to say, when you, it says they came to take a spoil, take the first two letters off spoil, and that uh, might be the spoil. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the, the, the natural gas field out in uh, right. uh, Lebanon, the Mediterranean Sea. You've mm. got the, the minerals in the uh, Dead Sea. And there is a, 
story we did a number of years ago. There's a potential oil field in the Golan Heights at something like 350 meters deep. Uh, that hasn't been, you know, that's a, whether it's true or not, uh, and that's a disputed error. Remember, the Golan Heights, as the United Nations still considers it part of Syria, even though Israel took it in the 67 war, and Russia is right there on the Syrian border. Russia calls Syria their country. In other words, mm-hmm. this, is, this is Russian border. So it's interesting how it's all working out. But, yeah, Russia is there. And what's also fascinating, just as a quick aside, how in the world are they going to invade Israel in the last days without, you know, everybody knowing about it simply because coming all the way from Russia, coming all the way from Turkey, all the way from Iran, there's no way you, you can invade a nation by, you know, because they're, they're caught unaware. Well, what happened was in the Syrian civil war of 2011, with ISIS coming in, you had a coalition of nations, including the United States, to get ISIS out. It had something like 20,000 square miles of territory in, in Iraq and Syria at one time they controlled. Now they controlled nada, but it was Russia. Iran and Turkey. Well, guess what? Russia decided to stay. So was Iran. They're just staying there. So they're right on Israel's northern border right now. Mm-hmm. They don't have to come thousands of miles. Out of interesting. Spots. They're right yep. there. So it's interesting how all that worked out. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So let's jump to number eight. Uh, Don, we've got an administration now that uh, doesn't want to uh, say what a woman is. They're pushing transgenderism. They're pushing abortion, uh, euthanasia, population control, and they're wrecking the U.S. economy. And the biblical prediction number eight that you have on the list here is there will be a continuing decline of the United States. So share your thoughts on that. Yeah, this is the one thing that hit me when the invasion takes place. All right. Um, The Russian leader, Gog, this title, has this evil thought, and he decides to take something that doesn't belong to him. But the thing that hit me, I never thought about this before, he doesn't even give a second thought about someone coming to the aid of Israel. Mm. Uh, no one's going to come to their aid, and no one does. Well, no country does. God mm-hmm. does. He wasn't counting on that. Right. But the point is, he wasn't fearful of some powerful nation you know, intervening on the side of Israel. So as I'm reading this, remember, this is like 10 years ago, I'm thinking, wait a minute, where's the United <laughs> States of America? Yeah. And so the point is, we have, dec- you know, the declining, and we've just seen it since 2020, let's face it, you're yep. exactly right. And this is the point, we don't have to make it all, I think we're all painfully aware of this, aren't we, our <laughs> decline, whether it be economically, you know, uh, militarily, morally. I mean, this is something, you get stories uh, uh, every day yes. on this. It's heartbreaking, but mm-hmm. again, this is something that the Scriptures predicted, because the United States is conspicuous by its absence. Mm-hmm. There is no superpower there that will come to the aid of Israel. I mean, we have to decline in some areas. And let me tell you, this present administration has done a great job of destroying the country mm-hmm. from within. Yep. Just like Abraham Lincoln said, uh, we'll never be conquered from without, uh, but it will be from within, if, just like Rome. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It, it breaks our heart. That's what the Scripture predicts. We see it. We see the inevitable. We wish it were different, yeah. but this is, this is the way it is. Don, yeah. I don't want to veer off too much, but I do want to mention, uh, what, what about the church in America? And you're thinking that, that we have the lowest uh, biblical literacy rate and overall biblical worldview in America in our history, and that's got to play into the weakening of our nation as well, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a, a, a companion story there. For the first time since the 7th century, less than half the population of the U.K. are not Christian. From the 7th century until, you know, 
recently. Mm-hmm. Half, more than half the population claimed to be Christian, less than half now. Same thing going on in the U.S. Church attendance, people say they believe in God, people believe in Jesus. So that's one of the things, too. That's one of the declines, because the gospel is not bre- being preached. Like Amos said, there's a famine in the land, famine of the Word of God, you know. Uh, it's, and that's why I've, I've done Educating Our World. I put the resources up there. They're free for people to know what Christians believe, why we believe it, the evidence that's there. We need biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. We don't have it. We yeah. Have you seen it? So many churches have gone so woke. They've, they've joined mm-hmm. in all these causes. They, they want to be, uh, I guess, considered important or with it, with the, with the society that we see right now. And, you know, that's a very important point you brought up. Because of this, they're letting society basically determine, you know, who, who we are. Look, one thing about the church in the beginning, we were not part of the establishment. Mm-hmm. We've always been the ones that fought the establishment with the gospel of Christ. But now instead of you can't beat them, you join them. And that's exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. what, the, unfortunately, the church has done today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We could we could do our own State of the Union, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. From a oh, Christian yeah. perspective. <laughs> yeah. I think we should do that. Um, let's move on to number nine here, Don. Uh, there will be preparations to build a third temple. And I remember back in 1999, my first trip to Israel, I visited the uh, Temple Institute in the Jewish mm-hmm. Quarter. And it was it was so cool to me to see these preparations going on, and I was, I was, mm. I mean, it somehow it just gives you goosebumps to realize that yes, this is going to happen, just as the Bible says. And what a fascinating place that was. Um, so, could you just give us some information on where are they at with the rebuilding? And and I'm fascinated to think about a, a rebuilt temple in these days, what it might look like with you know uh, modern amenities, you know, computerized or say. Um, mm-hmm you know, wheelchair access and things like that that we don't think about when we talk about the temple. But give us some information on how you think that's going to come about. Yeah, okay. Uh, not only in our book, Educating Our World, excuse me, in our book, 25 Signs from Near the End, one of our signs is the preparation to build the third temple. I have a whole book on the subject called The Jews, Jerusalem, and the Coming Temple. And we go in great detail of it. And like you said, in 2014, uh, they were, they're drawing up architectural plans for a third temple, and they wanted to uh, get the plans drawn up through crowdfunding. They're trying to raise a hundred grand, but they talked about the new temple will have wheelchair access. It'll you know have all the modern technology, modern amenities, mm. and that. <laughs> Let me tell you a story way back. Mm. Funny you mentioned the Temple Institute. I had the privilege of visiting the Temple Institute some tw- oh, must be thirty years ago now. Before they went public, they were putting together for the first time this you know the the their whole idea of having a third temple built uh i was with now the late chuck missler he and i were there we're given like four hours touring what they were planning to do it was fascinating and what was the most interesting thing about this and this was mind-boggling at the time this young lady was giving us the tour uh we're about finished in one far corner of the room there was a diagram of the of the third temple as they're going to build it and it was an electrician's wiring diagram we said wait a minute (laughs) you've told us for the last four hours that everything you do is either what the scriptures say or what the sages say where do you get a wiring diagram in in the third temple and her answer was something really interesting she said look where the scriptures speak where the sages speak we we go but uh when it doesn't speak, we feel free to improvise. For after all, these are her words, the temple will be built for the future, not for the past. Now, in those days, wiring diagramming, you know, obviously we're, they're going to have 
video of all everything going on. We know mm-hmm. now with the technology, the whole world will be able to see the abomination of desolation. That was the whole point, Matthew twenty four fifteen, as it says, because you've got you probably you know you have television in there or whatever it is. We can watch it all. Like I'm talking on my iPhone right now. People around the world be doing that. Uh, but the point is, it's the way they're going to build it with this temple. It's going to be made visible what's going on there to the entire world. That will fulfill it wow. in Jesus' prediction, Matthew twenty four fifteen. It's an amazing, amazing story. So I would encourage people to read what I said in the book there. <laughs> the, you know, the, the problem, of course, is it's been since 67 when Jerusalem was liberated. The, the access to the area is not available for uh, Israelis. No freedom of worship on the mm-hmm. Temple Mount. They're not even sure where the temple stood. There's four different locations on the mount where the temple may have stood. Uh, once that's determined, that'll happen someday. They will they will build a temple in unbelief of Jesus. That's going to take place. It's a fa- And again, why this is important, this is the most important of all, it's at that piece of real estate that a certain event will happen. Daniel 9.27, you can start counting time, 1,290 days after the sacrifices that have begun are stopped. 1,290 days later, Jesus Christ will have returned to earth. That's why the Temple Mount and the Temple are so important. Mm. Thank you for that. Wow, we've got just six minutes left, friends, believe it or not. And the last two, let's jump ahead and just tease them. We won't get to them. There will be attacks on the traditional family. I mean, that's been going on for decades. They're going to increase. Also, people calling evil good, good evil. Hello, that's the United States of Entertainment today. (laughs) But, uh, Don, biblical prediction number 10. Um, People... 10, 15 years ago, maybe had no idea what the World Economic Forum was, where Davos was, what a great reset was. But now globalism on steroids, It's the prediction is there will be a move toward a one-world political and economic system. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and this is everywhere. Kyle Sturmer, who is the head of the Labor Party in the U.K., could be a prime minister someday, came back from Davos. You know what he said? I like better what's going on in Davos than what's going on in Westminster. In other words, for the U.K., we need to hook up with what's going on there. Mm. Unelected officials that want a globalistic Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Here's the big point about this. It's an affront to everything that God has put in his word that he stands for. Because one of the key things in Scripture, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, God said it's not a world without borders. That's what globalism is. There is a certain land that belongs to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God in Deuteronomy says the boundaries of the nations are basically formed by God based on the nation of Israel. Globalism said, no, nah, there's just one world. There's no sovereign countries in that. There's, you know, you've got one group of people running the whole thing. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no such thing as an alien. You can go whatever country you want. No one can shut you out, this and that. And so th- this is what, I mean, and, and it's mind-boggling what these people are saying. But what's even more mind-boggling, you had something like 52 world leaders there at Davos recently. And they're all saying, in fact, they're saying it publicly now. Before they kind of were, you know, were kind of uh, saying it under the kind of hidden. But now they're just saying, yeah, we want the whole world to be. We, we don't want countries anymore. They're, they're sovereign countries or something, thing of the past. There should be no countries, no borders, no boundaries. We need a big, one great world because we need it. Why? <laughs> because we have to fight climate change. Oh, now we're going to destroy ourselves. The existential threat. Yes. Correct. Real <laughs> existential threat. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, but, but basically, but this is, I mean, again, this is exactly what the, the Bible says the world's going. The Confederation of yeah. Nations at the time to the end, the final Antichrist. And think about this. How can you, how can you have a, um, you know, not, buy or sell without a mark, 
unless you have a system that everybody's part of, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's got to be a globalistic system. That's assumed right mm-hmm. there in Revelation 13, uh, because if sovereign countries said, no, no, you don't, we don't do this, we have currency in our country, no, it's going right. to be worldwide, it's going to be digital, and it's going to be there in the last days. Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said these unelected officials deciding all these yep. things in a technocracy uh, type yep. of government, and then the Bible says that these kings will give their power and authority to the beast. So, so right. there's more proof that any kind of elected officials or any kind of politics will take way back seat to this man who has all the answers, and then it is going to be the most brutal kingdom the world has ever known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sure is, and that's why we call him the final Antichrist. First mm-hmm. uh, John 2.18 says, many Antichrists is coming. There have been many. This is the final one, mm-hmm. the beast of the uh, book of Revelation, the first beast. And you're right, an unelected person that will be given the authority mm-hmm. there by these by these sovereign nations to run the thing. Why? Because seemingly he has all the answers, a mouth speaking great things, mm-hmm. a great order, someone that really knows what's going on, and they're going to just be blind spiritually to what's going on. They already are. Mm-hmm. And the world is so perfectly set up for that now. I mean, uh, what else can we say? It's mm-hmm. just right in front of our very eyes. It is. Yeah. And people can watch uh, and get the notes and watch this entire presentation, 12 biblical predictions about the last days that are now being literally fulfilled, Don, in the last couple minutes. I think we can just bullet point the last two predictions, attacks on the traditional family, and calling evil good and good evil. We're seeing that. Christians are in that camp already. Um, I just encourage people not to check out because we have a job to do while we're still here, while these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things we mentioned of the family, there's a great article that was written, and I've quoted it from the Federalist, uh, basically with this, the new law that was passed, the, the marriage thing that, you know, yeah. it codifies same-sex marriage. Disrespect Traditional marriage. marriage is going, going, going by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally going by the wayside. And First Timothy says they will forbid to marry. Well, this is exactly what's going to happen, because like in Marxism, your kids don't belong to you. They belong to the state. This is where things going. And this is this is frightening. But this is exactly what's taking place in calling good evil and evil good. Well, again, <laughs> what can you say? Uh, you know, either have double X chromosomes or X, Y chromosomes. I think they missed that in science class, <laughs> the world today, the transgenderism. And, that. and uh, it, it is it's beyond ridiculous. But again, uh Isaiah 520, they're going to call yep. evil good and yep. good evil, exactly what we see. Yeah, and there's the Romans 1 uh, aspect that plays into this. There's just such a delusion for intel- relatively intelligent people falling for this deception of basic biology and DNA, let alone what the Bible says about how God created us. Yeah, that that's what's so incredible. I mean, it's unscientific, and they accuse us of being irrational. Yeah. Unscientific. <laughs> that, that, I mean, you scratch your head. See, but if you didn't know what the Bible said, if you didn't know it was a spiritual issue, it wouldn't make any sense. It makes total sense, because evil is not logical. That's yes. the whole point. It's illogical. It's irrational. That's why we see this nonsense going on and being paraded as, as truth today. Amazing. Really amazing. Well, Don, we we ran out of time real quickly, but we just skimmed the surface. There's so much more on your website, educatingourworld.com. Uh, Thank you so very much for being with us today. Lord willing, we'll do it again in the near future. Mm. That'd be great. Well, my pleasure. Well, thanks for having me. Loved it. Yeah. All right. Thank thanks, you, Don. Don. Don Stewart, Educating Our World. Um, guys, we've got a lot coming up, including uh, guests Tomorrow, we've got Pastor Jeff Solwald, another troublemaker for the kingdom. He's back with us. Uh, Calvary Chapel, Moscow, I mean, Madison, I almost said Moscow East, it was Madison, Wisconsin, but he'll be with us tomorrow. 
I'm looking ahead to next week. We've got Elijah Abraham live in studio Monday. Apologist and podcaster Alisa Childers with us on Tuesday. You will hear from Marsha Montenegro Wednesday. David Horowitz has a new book out on Thursday next week. And Pastor Chris Quintana, another one of those yes. uh, men of God. Yes, yeah. troublemakers for the kingdom. So we've got a loaded schedule. Natasha Crane and Jonathan Brentner, Heidi St. John. Uh, later in February, it's gosh, it's going by so fast. But yes. guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you sharing the podcast. But most importantly, we are thankful for your prayers. There is spiritual warfare almost constantly, as you can probably attest to in your life, if uh, you're standing for Christ and the truth. But thank you so much for everything you do for us and uh, for your support. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.